Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome to the LeadX Show, helping you to stand out and to get ahead. Today, we're broadcasting live to our Facebook audience. And podcast listeners, if you want to be notified when we go live on Facebook, just go to LeadX Life and like the page and turn on notifications. And we're actually LeadX Life, not just on Facebook, but on Instagram, Snapchat, pretty much everywhere. Today's the weekly wrap-up show where we take our time. We get to rant about whatever's on our mind. We, of course, take your questions, answer some of your questions. And I am joined by LeadX editor Tara Millette. Tara, did you know that Twitter went to 280 characters? Did you see that? I did. And I didn't understand the hashtag. It was just hashtag 280 for the longest time. And I didn't get what was going on. But it seems to be like no one's happy about it. I don't know if I'm you've not, seen it. but Yeah, I don't. Well, not that I really care. But um, I already now this is horrible because I know I do have a lot of friends on Twitter and I do engage with people on Twitter. I kind of wish Twitter would just die because <laughs> there's just too many social media platforms to keep up with Snapchat, Instagram, you know, all this stuff. Like I want fewer, but mm -hmm. having said that, I think it's a mistake because um, I mean, I'm one who like it take, it's so hard to get what you want to say down to only, you know, 140 characters, but that was its charm. And now that you can just type an update and not have that pressure, well, how's that different than an update on Facebook or an update on something else? So I don't know. I don't think it's good. I thought, you know what? I was like, you know, 280 seems like too much. I thought like go from 140 to 180, you know, give a little bit of extra room right. maybe, but I don't get doubling it. I, I think it's, uh, it's a little too much. Yeah, I think, uh, I, th I think it's a lot and it's going to take away some of the charm. And already I think, Basically, all the platforms are copying each other. Everybody's adding photos, videos, stories. Um, mm -hmm. But I think for someone who's having a hard time trying to build an audience like Twitter, trying to be like everybody else is the wrong way. I mean, I just don't think uh, people are going to switch over to it. Snapchat even had, um, they reported the growth in new users and it was basically almost none. And so Wall Street crushed them and Snapchat wow. says, like, we're going to redo our interface. We know we're too hard to use. And it is too hard to use. But when old guys start using Snapchat, all the youngins are going to move to a different platform. So I don't know that they can win that game. I keep thinking, you know, I keep saying it's my old joke, but I'm always like, hit us up on Twitter, Snapchat, Glipglorp. And I'm waiting for Glipglorp <laughs> to actually become something. So maybe I can cash in and say that I came up with it, you know, but we'll see. If you, if you haven't already seized it, I think there's a bunch of people right now registering Glipglorp as, uh, you know, dot com or something, you know. Wow. I, yeah, I, I let it out there for free and I should have just cashed in on it. Oh, well, next time. Hey, you know how like I'm always admitting like all the things I don't know that I should know on this show? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's your confessional. Okay. It's my confessional. Um, okay, this might be like this will be everybody's going to really shake their heads at this one. So I never really thought about where buffalo wings come from, the food, you know, the, oh. the football treat. I mean, I knew they weren't from buffaloes, but I'm not saying I thought that. But of course, I had to go to Buffalo this week, Buffalo, New York to discover mm -hmm. that there's a famous bar in Buffalo, New York that invented, apparently was 
a woman, the grandma that sort of invented the buffalo wing. And I, it just, I never thought about that. Like, I don't know why they're called buffalo wings. Um, it's from Buffalo, New York. Who knew? Apparently everybody but huh. me. So I learned that this week as well. That's interesting. I always wondered about that because it's always uh, Frank's red hot sauce that they use for that, right? And I always thought, why don't they just call it Frank's wings or something? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That was so strange. But Buffalo, okay, strange. that's good. Yeah, yeah, good to know. The other, I mean, this is just sort of random business note. I was um, doing a, a keynote on leadership for um, a, a big company. Uh, they're called Delaware North. Um, like, two and a half billion dollars, but they're a privately held family run business. Can you imagine that? Like two and a half billion dollar mom and pop shop. I mean, that was pretty cool. You know what? Fun fact, actually, I think Urban Outfitters, which is based in Philly, yes. is a, a family run business as well. And that's like a huge business, huge. like 2.8 or probably right. more. I don't know. Pretty yeah, this, wild. This is this company, um, like they, they run all kinds of like restaurants, concession stands in sports stadiums, stuff like that. So like nobody knows them by their company name. They know them by like the restaurants. And mm -hmm. they were telling me like one of their secrets to success is they go to big cities and they want to run a restaurant in the airport. But instead of just inventing their own, I don't know, Delaware North restaurant or whatever, they know that each city generally has like a local favorite. So like in Buffalo, it's this, uh, it's this bar. I just forgot their name. Um, Anchor bar or something like that in Boston. It might be legal seafood um, in Philadelphia. It would be like Pat's or Gino's cheesesteaks. Right. So right. places have their own thing. And so business people fly in and they never have time to go to the local spot for the barbecue or whatever. So this company, Delaware North, they go to these cities and they basically find what that restaurant is and they strike out like a, a, on like a licensing deal or something. They're like, bring your restaurant to the airport because everybody's going to want to claim that they ate like the original thing, even though it's not the original establishment. And they've just done that over and over again. So rather than caring about their own brand, they just kind of take one that's already a local success and put it in the airport. And it's been really really successful. It's those ideas that really blow my mind. The really simple, straightforward ideas like that, that I think are so incredible. It's so, that's so interesting. What a great idea. Cause why you not? You <laughs> invent the next glip glorp to be a right? success. You could just, you know, spoof <laughs> off someone else's restaurant. Although I intend for Glip Glorp to become huge. Uh, so that's a bad example because obviously it's going to be huge, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tara, the other thing I wanted to tell our listeners, and this is certainly going to be, you know, bigger news for our, um, our, our podcast listeners, is that we are going to be changing our format. And um, people that, that shouldn't surprise too many people because we experiment every month with the format of our show, the questions that I ask. We've been experimenting with our e-newsletter. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to be hitting 200 shows soon. And as we looked at it, I mean, we're having a lot of fun. We're making a lot of friends. But it's still a fairly small show. And it's been taking a ton of our time. I mean, it's been taking about a fourth of my working hours personally. And it's been taking that or more of your time and Katrina's time and other people's time. And, you know, our listeners, I'm sure realize like we don't have sponsors for the show. We're not making money from the show. So uh, it's just not sustainable to keep going like this. And we don't have a big enough audience 
uh, to get a big sponsor. We've tried and it, it hasn't worked out so far. So, um, you know, we've been talking about different ways we can do the show, but without spending quite as much time, you know, on it. And for now, I mean, we're going to, we're going to stick to the daily format. We think it's great to be able to make a connection with people, you know, every single day. Um, but we're going to make a couple changes. One is we're going to bring back the, the throwback Thursday show. That way, you know, we can, I mean, we've got so many great shows, so many great guests and so many new listeners. We can bring back something from our first 30, 60 days when we were doing it, either remind people who, you know, were with us from the start about these guests and the, the challenges, or it's going to be new material for a lot of our listeners. We don't have to create a show, you know, on Thursdays from scratch. And then on Mondays, you know, one of the things we've been asked a lot is, like, well, what are more of the management lessons, the leadership lessons? We kind of stray into a lot of different topics. So I've decided like every Monday, instead of it being a guest show, I'm just going to, you know, come on as a solo show, keep it short, but do a hardcore just like management leadership lesson. You know, we'll, we'll start with talking about giving people feedback, effective feedback, We'll talk about making the transition from individual contributor to manager. You know, all the classic management and leadership topics. And of course, we'll give it a lead X spin. You know, I think the way you give great feedback to your team members can also work wonders, you know, at home with your kids or your, your significant other. Um, so, I mean, starting pretty much immediately, people are going to notice that our Monday shows are different. Our Thursday shows are a little bit different. We'll still have two original guests every single week. And of course, a weekly wrap-up show. And I think this is going to be a step in the right direction and, and kind of bring more value to everybody. I mean, most podcasts only still do one show a week. We're still doing five shows a week. Jeez. So um, hopefully one of those five shows every week, people are going to find, you know, tremendous value in. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be good. I'm excited. Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting some good feedback on Facebook too. Marcella's saying, "Great idea for Mondays." Hopefully, more people will uh, will believe that as well. Yeah. And let's mm -hmm. move on. I know it's our fan mail Friday and and all that good stuff. Sure is. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out to Matthew Walker, who I think just gave us comment as well. He connected with me on LinkedIn and reached out because of our last episode, and I just want to keep that train going. Connect with other people. Get All the way LinkedIn. from Australia, Matthew's with us. So it's uh, quite a time yeah. zone shift. So thanks for that, Matthew. Sure we is. appreciate it. All right. So uh, here's our first fan mail. It's from Yossi, who is a assistant professor of computer science at Bar Ilan uh, University in Israel. And uh, Yossi says, uh, one of your bits of advice is to say no to almost everything. While I can say it is very reasonable and I knew I should say no often, I've never figured out how much I say yes and how I should say no. Your episode on how to say no in seven ways was extremely useful. I owe you more than many minutes a day. Thanks. Very sweet. That was very nice. Right? I Save love that too. I actually... Yeah, I actually just reread that chapter today uh, in uh, 15 Secrets, <laughs> the Seven no. Ways to Say No. Yeah, and they are really, really useful. All right, and we have another comment this time, not quite a fan mail, I'd say, but we're open to having some criticism and some discussions. So this is from Rachel, and she says, I found your website through your article about successful people and their lack of to-do lists. To be candid, 
I was horrified. I absolutely need a to-do list. If I eliminated it, I would forget what I was supposed to be doing or commitments that I've made. While I understand the importance of time blocking and the emphasis on scheduling, I think the notion of eliminating a to-do list is misleading. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I wanted to share this uh, comment. First of all, let people know we are open to constructive criticism and all, all of that. And, you know, I did respond to Rachel and, you know, what I said in, I don't know, so many words was, I'm not really preaching. I consider myself more of a reporter. Like I used to do lists up until the point where I interviewed over 200, you know, highly productive, successful people. And they said, no, nah, don't use to do lists. Just put everything on your calendar. And I was skeptical. It seemed weird. I was horrified. But then I tried it and I, I got benefit from it. So I always just say, listen, you know, try it on like a jacket. If it fits, great. If it doesn't, take it off. And so my point to Rachel was, is it misleading or just misleading, you know, for her? And did she mm. even try it? You know, and and I think especially jumping all in from to-do list to calendar can be tough. So like our recommendations these days is like, can you at least schedule your most important task and for an hour only do that? Then can you just schedule before lunch <laughs> all on your calendar, live from your calendar, and then go to your to-do list in the afternoon. And eventually you could get, you know, right to just where you put everything on the calendar. But um, hey, Rachel, maybe it isn't for you. I just hope you try it before you make that decision. No, I thought it was, you know, I had the same feeling when I was like, oh, shoot, I have to start scheduling stuff. It's a weird transition to go from going from this routine of doing your to-do list every morning and now suddenly putting it on your calendar on your computer and it's not kind of in front of your face all the time and that can kind of leave you in a bit of a panic but i am so happy that i did it it's so much easier everything's there i get little notifications so i don't have to think about it so yeah i definitely encourage rachel to try that out uh and now we have the itunes review of the week this one is from kaplan in california and it has to be the most enthusiastic one I've ever seen. So I'm going to try and read it with as much gusto as I can muster. Good. Do you want to get the most out of your efforts? Do you need to sharpen your edge and maintain your sanity? Do you want it? Get it. Get better every day. Listen to leaders who freely share their insight. Handle your business and build yourself better every Monday through Friday. That's pretty wow. slick. Uh, that is yeah, pretty slick. Right? And now I know we're going to get more iTunes reviews than ever before because people are going to want to hear your read of it. So I want everybody out there, if you haven't left a review, the challenge is to leave a review that is like more over the top than this one so we can hear Tara do her monster truck, you know, coming this week voice. I like this. I can do it even more like, get it. Get better every day. <laughs> I could go, yeah, you know what? I like this challenge. Uh, go for it, people. I'm ready. Uh, so Kaplan in California, that was a great review. I enjoyed reading it very much. Uh, please reach out to us at info at because we owe you some thank you swag. Absolutely. And for everyone out there, if you haven't done it already, it's the single best favor you can do for us. Just subscribe and leave a rating on iTunes. You just have to go to your browser, type leadx.org forward slash subscribe and we'll bounce you to the right place. You just click some stars and subscribe and it's all good. And um, you can also go to leadx.org, check out our brand new homepage where we now have a free training video every single day. And if you uh -huh. wanna see which ones are coming up, live webinars that are coming up, click on that events tab and you can get a schedule of events. All right. Wow. Hard to believe we're already at questions. Are you ready for it? 
I am ready. Uh, anyone in our Facebook Live audience, please feel free to type in any questions you might have now. And uh, and if uh, if there's nothing else, I guess we can just jump into it. Yeah, let's let's hit them. All right. Question number one. This is from Marcus. Love your work. Converted my inbox to task management system with projects and next actions, but I'm struggling to allocate my tasks to calendar. Are there any resources? Yeah, you know, I kind of actually already touched on this. Unfortunately, I don't know of any resources or tools or tricks to to get this done. I'm very simple. I use Google Calendar as my calendar. Uh, you know, I don't have any fancy apps that I use on my phone or any of those kinds of things. So in terms of the struggle to put tasks to calendar, again, these days, because so many people do struggle with it, I say just kind of step, go a step-by-step -step approach, you know, try to just schedule your most important task and really nail that for a week or two or three or whatever. Then try to schedule your entire morning and put that to-do list aside, then try it for your whole day. I mean, for myself, if I've scheduled my entire day the way I should, I can print out that one day on a page and have it in front of me. It's basically a to-do list. I just look down, see what the <laughs> next thing is. And when I'm done, I, I cross it off. It's just tied to a wow. specific time and all the rest. And the of course, truth comes out. the truth comes out. <laughs> the, um, another trick though is like, especially starting out is, you know, schedule some buffer times, literally just called free time or buffer time. That way, you know, if things run long, it's not a big deal. It doesn't push too far through your day or if you need to slide something over. And that's a normal thing. I mean, I'm sliding things from Thursday to Friday, from Friday to Monday, you know, all the time. That's just that's just part of it. Um, it's just it's it's not a perfect system. There's no guarantee you get every single thing done, but the odds are better than the to-do list and usually with uh, with less stress along the way. So true. Yeah. I think people hear scheduling and they think set in stone and it's totally movable. Like you, it's a very flexible system. You can move things around. Um, all right. Next question is about public speaking. This is from uh, Dustina, I think, on Snapchat, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they ask, how do you get invited to paid speaking events? That's an interesting question. Yeah, and this came when I was, uh, I'm not huge on Snapchat. I'm a pretty lazy Snapchatter, Instagrammer with my stories. But because I was uh, spending 24-ish hours heading up to Buffalo doing the talk and back, I thought, all right, let me try to put up stories showing like what it really is like. and you know, it's certainly not as glamorous as some people think when you're off going and doing speeches. It's getting up at five in the morning to get in that car and then, you know, airports and all this kind of stuff um, to get there. And I opened it up, said, hey, you know, does, does anybody have any questions for me about speaking? And so we, we got a, a few. And on this one, how do you get invited to paid speaking events? You know, the the best advice I can give is really just, you know, be relentlessly helpful to others. And, you know, this means always be putting content out there that's helpful. So know who your audience is. Like it, the, the smaller the niche, the easier it is to kind of own that niche and to find people that care about that thing. And then, you know, if you're writing on your blog or writing for medium.com or uh, doing a podcast or doing videos on YouTube and you're helping people in that area, eventually you'll build up an audience. You'll get a reputation for being an expert. And then when there's conferences or special meetings, 
they'll remember you. Oh yeah, you know, this person's been really helpful online. Let's have them and, you know, uh, have them in person. So that's it. It's really just a lot of content marketing over time and trying to become famous in, you know, sort of a small niche. That's great. I love that. Uh, Darren Horn, I believe, has the next question. Uh, also has to do with speaking. Um, and he asks, is it worth it to get listed as a speaker on speaker agencies? Yeah, you know, this is, um, you know, I, I say this is only my own experience. So my own experience is when I started out, I thought, oh, this is easy. You write a book, make it a New York Times bestseller. Every All these speaker bureaus will want to add you as a client. And then they're going to say, hey, here's a hot new leadership speaker, Kevin Cruz, book them for your event. And that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. There's two reasons. For years, I was not getting booked. And I would get, I mean, I'm, I'm very jealous of other people in the space. So I guess I won't use their names now, but <laughs> usually I just say their names. But like there are other speakers out there that speak on employee engagement and leadership that are very similar to, to my audience, my content. And, you know, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. They're not. You know, they, you know, I've built businesses, Inc. 500, blah, blah, blah. They haven't. Uh, you know, on most objective measures, you would think that I would look like a better speaker than they are. And I would ask the speaking bureaus, like, are they funnier than me? No, that's not it. Do they get more standing ovations? No, no, you're fine. So what is it? And the first thing that I learned was that basically these other speakers, many of whom may be in fear here, they charged a lot more than I was charging. And speaking bureaus work on commission. So they're not going to ah. pitch the best speaker. They're going to pitch the most expensive speaker. So the fastest way you can start getting booked by speaking bureaus is to just raise your fee from like $500 to $25,000 overnight. Now they have a reason to present you. And as soon as I did that, yes, I started getting more speaking gigs because they wouldn't lose money by booking me versus someone else but still not, not very many, not, not very often. And what they tell me is like, look, they think about categories. So in their mind, it's like leadership, innovation, uh, safety. I don't know. You go to a speaking bureau website and they've got all these categories. In any category, they've already got their top three speakers. There's 50 choices in there, but there's the top three. They know them, they've met them, they're a safe bet. And so like, why do they need another leadership speaker? So if I call them and say, I'm a New York Times bestselling author, I'm awesome, add me to your list. Like, yeah, Kevin, that's great. We'd love to work with you. Send us, fill out this form. We'll put you on our website. And they never pitch you. It's only when their clients ask about you. So in other words, you've got to be known, famous in your niche before they'll pitch you. They won't proactively pitch you. So this is a long way of saying, Darren Horn, <laughs> it doesn't hurt to, to sign up on an agency. It's not going to hurt you but don't expect that they're going to book you for a single talk because it's very, very rare. That's the wow, hard truth. So you, you almost have to be kind of famous to be famous. <laughs> well, there's like in business, they used to say the only time banks will lend you money is when you don't need it. Like if you actually right. are like a, a business that needs money, they're like, we ain't lending you money. Look, you, you don't have no money. The only time you can get money is when you don't need it. Well, the only time speaking bureaus will pitch you is when you don't need them to pitch you because right. you're already right. getting people to find you on their own. It's sad, but it's true. Wow. So interesting. I had no idea that kind of seedy underbelly of the speaking world. The, 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 come here, come to the LeadX show for the hard <laughs> truth. The hard truth. 
<laughs> Tara, we did All get right. a question on Facebook, actually. Great, great. Let's hear it. From bright early morning, 7.30 in the morning in Australia, Matthew Walker, he says, been thinking of the option of a personal most important task and a work company MIT. And so he's saying um, his personal MIT might be before 7 a.m., then a work one from 8.30 to 9.30. Thoughts, question mark? Matthew, I like this idea. Now, I'm one who always says, like, you only really have, like, most important task by definition is a most important task. But again, if I'm honest, I kind of bucket personal and professional as well. Um, now, I don't do it every day quite to that extent. I'm usually thinking of an MIT as a work MIT. But um, I think it works, especially if it's like, hey, I've compartmentalized that my work day doesn't start till 8.30. Then what is the number one thing in my personal life? And then once I'm at work, what's the number one thing you know, in my professional life? So I like it as long as you're as long as one MIT doesn't start interfering with the other, I think it's a good idea. That's excellent. Uh, it's funny that he should bring that up. I remember I just read an article somewhere that said that something crazy like 70% of millennials have a side hustle, you know, and in something like that, you're, you're going to need to have your MIT for your job. But then when you get yep. home and you have your time to work on your own stuff, I think it's equally as important to have an MIT on that. So I'm totally on board. I say, go for it. Why not? That's cool. That's cool. So who do we have coming up uh, next week, Tara? Next week, we have uh, some awesome guests. Uh, we have Annie McKee, best-selling author and academic, and she's going to discuss kind of how to be happy at work, which, I mean, can't ask for much more than that. Uh, Heidi Abelli, she's a senior vice president of content product management at Skillsoft. Uh, she is a leader in e-learning and training and talent solutions, so that's going to be really interesting. Uh, we have Alicia Basic who is a leadership designer and coach, speaker and author. And uh, she's the founder of the uh, leadership development firm, Ubica. And uh, she's had all kinds of clients, like professional athletes and C-level executives and cool. presidential appointees and entrepreneurs. So she's got like a wide swath of experience in that stuff. So good stuff. Very nice. So friends, before we wrap up, don't forget, go to leadx.org forward slash subscribe to rate the LeadX show on iTunes. If you want to ask a question, you can go to leadx.org forward slash ask Kevin, and you can hit a little button and just ask your question out loud and that audio file gets sent to me. And um, Tara, I think, I think we pulled it off. This was filled with some social media questions, some regular productivity questions, <laughs> Um, so I don't know, maybe next week we'll throw in some Instagram questions or something, some glip glop I questions love it. along the way. <laughs> glip glorp and I got a glip monster glorp. truck voice in there and you know, I mean, we covered all grounds, I think. I think we're good. You never, you never know what we're going to do. So until <laughs> next week, friends, remember leadership is not a choice because leadership is influence. We are leaders all of the time. Be mindful with your influence and lead with intent.